One of the things that I was struck by as we were singing together is, um, so yeah, I, I had a couple weeks of vacation, and that was great. Um, it, it's, it's so helpful to unplug for a while, but as I was singing, the Lord really laid it on my heart, because you know, it was great to, to unplug, but yet the last couple Sundays, just like, yeah. Wasn't you know watched a couple of church services and connected in, in different ways, but I just was something missing, and God just impressed upon my heart that well, see the thing is is that the way that we connect with God is by is in His family, right? And so it was good to be away, but I belong here. This is, you are my family. So that, yes, I enjoyed my time away, but I need to plug into family. Because church is not something you just go to. A church is something you belong to. And so because of that, it's just, I was just reminded as I was, as I was sitting there and being so refreshed. So that, yes, I was refreshed by being away, but I was just refreshed this last 10 minutes of, of praise and worship. And, and the spirit filling. And, and I was, so God really impressed that upon my heart. Well, thank you, and I missed you. Well, one of the things that I saw when I was out and about um, on vacation was uh, some classic cars. Uh, I don't know if, if you are always impressed or you kind of turn your head when you see a car that's, you know, a classic and it's been fully restored. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and sometimes I think we can... Uh, feel like that car before it's restored. You know, we're up on blocks. I think I got a, a picture. Yeah, there. Uh, sometimes we, we feel like that. Um, but as we go through this series on the Holy Spirit, and this is our final Sunday on this series in the Holy Spirit, one of the things that the Holy Spirit does in our life, the, one of the things, one of his roles, and we're going to look at this, and we've seen this a little bit, is restoration, is restoring us, recreating us, giving us new life, rebirth, so that we don't, our eternity is not this, our eternity is that. That's a 1970 Charger, fully restored. And even that analogy fails a little bit because the Holy Spirit doesn't just mm, restore us to where we've been. The Holy Spirit restores us to what we've always meant, been meant to be more than we ever were before. We, he restores and breathes into us a heavenly, eternal life beyond any life that we have here. So, yes, that, that picture, it's helpful. Like, oh, I feel, I mean, maybe you've come here today and you feel like you're up on blocks, right? And you don't have tires, you're not running. Or, or maybe you feel like a part of your life is, needs restoration. Maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your finances, or some part of your life where it needs restoration. Well, the good news is that that is what the Holy Spirit does. He brings restoration. He breathes new life into our deadness, into our rust. And not just now. Yes, now. 
But that restoration is meant to go into eternity and fully and finally uh, we will be remade. So as we've examined various aspects of the Holy Spirit this summer, uh, we saw that the, many of the prophets, they, they promised that this restoration would one day come, that the Holy Spirit would one day be poured out. And we looked at several, but let's, uh, because this is our, our last uh, uh, Sunday on the Holy Spirit. Let's go back to the first Sunday when we talked about Peter at Pentecost. Where remember, he talked about that all right, the last days have, become, have begun because the Holy Spirit's been poured out just like you've seen, and now the age of salvation, the age of the Spirit has come already as we go towards the not yet fully and finally, sin isn't fully and finally done away with, but that restoration has already begun. That new life is poured out. That eternity is being poured out. And so when he did that in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, he quoted the prophet Joel. So just a, to a refresher, Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32, says this. And again, Joel, he prophesied centuries before Jesus. And this is what Peter's referring to. This is being fulfilled. Verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and I will show wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved." And what Peter does in his sermon on Pentecost, he says, yeah, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, and the Lord that you need to call upon is the Lord Jesus. Jesus is Lord, that he died on the cross, but he's been risen from the dead, he's ascended to God's right hand, and he's poured out this Holy Spirit, so call on the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. That's what Peter does with this particular scripture, but he says, and it's being fulfilled. The Spirit is being poured out. But Joel, the prophet Joel, he's not alone in, in many prophets. Many prophets looked to the day of the Lord when God would pour out his presence and blessing upon his people and, and all, onto all his people, but also all creation. The prophets look towards this day when the Holy Spirit, he will bring restoration. He will bring recreation and new life to his people, but also to the world. So in Genesis chapter 1, you read that the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, right? The earth is formless and void, but yet the Spirit of God, he's hovering over the face of the waters. And the Hebrew term there is ruach, and ruach can mean wind, it can mean breath, it can mean spirit. And that's why some folks are like, how should we translate this? But that Spirit brings order out of the chaos and, and creates a world that is good because after God creates, right, after every day, he says, it is good, it is good. And then the Spirit of God breathes spirit, his spirit of life into people. And the prophets, what they do is they look back and say, yes, we've, because of sin, the world is fallen and now we yearned 
for that rebirth. We yearn for that restoration because things are now in decay. And the prophet said, yeah, a day is coming when the Spirit is going to bring that restoration. So yes, the prophet Joel, um, but then also uh, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 32. And the, the, as we'll read, the prophet Isaiah not only talks, he, he talks about this in terms of peace and rest, that the Spirit's going to be poured out and then there'll be rest. Because on the seventh day, do you remember what God did? He rested. So after he made everything good, then he rested and he invites his people to rest and enjoy the goodness of creation. And they did for a time, but then you know what happened. Things fell. We sinned. And so now, though, there's that, that yearning for restoration and rest, the eternal rest and restoration with God. And the prophets say, that's going to happen. The Spirit, when he is poured out, is going to bring that. So Isaiah 32, verse 15 says, uh, just to context here, Isaiah is talking about how... Um, you know, Israel is going to be in a bad way. They're going to go into exile, but it's not going to last forever. Then he looks forward to this restoration. So uh, Isaiah 32, 15 says, Until the Spirit is poured out upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is deemed a forest, then justice will dwell in the wilderness, and righteousness abide in the fruitful field. And the effect of righteousness will be peace, and the result of righteousness quietness and trust forever. My people will abide in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. So the last days would be when God pours out his spirit so that we as his people can enjoy his close presence and we can be transformed on the inside. And then there's peace and there's rest because all that is contrary to God has been done away with. And we are recreated. We're reborn. We're restored. But so is all of creation, is restored and recreated. And there's eternal rest and fellowship with God. So that's a part of the role of the Holy Spirit is about bringing this end times peace, this end times restoration. It's pretty clear, right? I just shared with you a couple of the Old Testament scriptures and so you tracking with me, you understand, you say, okay, yeah, I see how the Old Testament uh, prophets, they, they spoke about that. Do you see it? Yes? Yes? Okay, good. Because otherwise I'll have to explain it again, and then we'd be here <laughs> a real long time. And, and the, the reason I bring this up is because often when we talk about um, the end times, uh, the, the eschaton, heaven. How, there's so many words that we use, and some of them aren't that precise, but we, we often talk about Jesus, and we should. And Jesus, he's going to return, and he's going to reign with the Father uh, in, in heaven, heaven on earth. The earth is going to be recreated, all this stuff. But often, I've noticed that when we talk about the end times, when we talk about eternity, talk about the Holy Spirit. People don't really talk about the Holy Spirit. It's, it's almost as, as if he's the, a forgotten person of the Trinity. It's almost as if the Holy Spirit doesn't have a role in the end times. But when we, what we see, especially from the Old Testament, 
as they looked, as they looked forward, they said, no, the Holy Spirit's the one. He, is, he breathes new life. Just as he was an agent of creation and the Spirit hovered over the face of the waters, so too will the Spirit be poured out and bring that restoration. And in fact, they, he is the part of the already. That already that um, is being poured out heaven on earth. The Spirit is bringing restoration and rest. And that already not yet, though. So, as, as Pentecost told us, and we looked at Peter's sermon, um, those promises of the Spirit being poured out are being fulfilled already. Right? The Spirit's already poured out. We already experienced the presence of God. But it's not yet fully and finally. Um, the Spirit's been poured out, but we've not entered into that final rest where the earth is fully restored and sin and death are done away with. And now instead of sin and death, there's only eternal life and peace with God. We're not yet there, even though the Spirit's already been poured out. But that already not yet concept also uh, is not just about the Holy Spirit, but for instance, God has already judged sin, right? But he's not yet eradicated it. He's judged sin on the cross. In his amazing grace, he took on those sins in Christ so that we would be cleansed, so that our sins would be taken care of, so that then the Spirit could come and dwell in us and restore us. Because now we've been made right with God, and when when you're made right with God, then you can fellowship with God. So that's already happened, even though sin has not yet fully been eradicated, as it will one day be. But now we're in those last days of the Spirit and salvation, where the Spirit's been poured out. Salvation has already come through Christ. So now, when that final day comes and sin is fully and finally done away with, and God's presence and everything is, is, uh, is over the earth as the waters cover the sea. When Before that day comes, there is a restoration. There is new life going out throughout the world, person by person, so that there are, a peop- there are people who call upon God. There are people of God who have received this eternal life from every nation and every language group because salvation is meant to go to the ends of the earth so that when God restores the earth fully and finally, again, there'll be people from all over the globe praising him. So the Spirit, he is making those end times reality, a greater reality in our lives today. So the Spirit of God, we talked about this the second week, I think, in the series, that the Holy Spirit is God. I think I also mentioned that heaven is really about God's presence. We like to make everything about us, but no, heaven is about God's presence. We're going to experience God's presence as never before. And heaven actually is the new Jerusalem coming to earth, God dwelling with his people. And it's heaven because God's presence is there in, in a, a full and final way. Well, if the Holy Spirit is God 
and the Holy Spirit's presence is poured out upon us, then really we have heaven on earth. That God is restoring us. He's pouring heaven into each one of us. He's pouring his presence into each one of us. And that presence of God It gives us new life. It restores us so that as we go into eternity, we're fully reconciled with God, and that restoration becomes complete, even though it has already begun. That's the Spirit's role. That's what the Spirit is doing. And I say all these things because I want us with fresh eyes to read maybe the most famous passage in the Bible, but I want us to read it with an eye on the Spirit. Because I think our familiar, it's John 3, 1 through 16. Lots of people know John 3, 16. But we're, because we're so familiar with it, it often causes us to only see what we're accustomed to seeing. We only see, oh, yes, John 3, 16. That's a great verse. I know that one. And we miss all the stuff that comes before it. All the things that Jesus talks about when he, Jesus himself, points to the Spirit that brings that heavenly, eternal life into our life now. The Spirit which Jesus gives, the Spirit whom Jesus pours out. So let's look. John 3, verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 16, and I'll go through here there quickly. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. So, interesting. Nicodemus, he approaches Jesus. He calls Jesus a rabbi, acknowledges that Jesus is a teacher from God, and what Jesus does is he dispenses with all that expected protocol. He sets a new agenda for this conversation, and he says, oh, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And the following dialogue makes it clear that Nicodemus, despite his credentials as a teacher of the Pharisees, he still needs to be born again. He still needs this restoration, this new life that Jesus is talking about because he's unable to understand Jesus. He's unable to understand Jesus' words and see how that kingdom of God that he had been waiting for is present in Jesus, is available in Jesus. So, verse 4, Nicodemus says to him, so remember Jesus says, you have to be born again. Nicodemus says, well, wait, how can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So Nicodemus, he misunderstands what Jesus means by this born-again thing, and one of the reasons for that is the word anothen in Greek can either mean again or it can mean from above. And Nicodemus, he is assuming the fleshly kind of meaning, the earthly kind of meaning. He mistakenly thinks, wait, that, that doesn't make sense. How can you enter, in, if you're old, how can you enter again into your mother's womb and be born? 
But Jesus, he is clear. He says, no, no, I'm referring to birth by the Spirit. I'm referring to a birth from above. You see, he clarifies Nicodemus' misunderstanding by saying, no, I'm not talking about physical birth. I'm not talking about fleshly birth. I'm talking about birth in the Spirit. And there's a logic to it, you see, that to enter into the heavenly kingdom, to even see the heavenly kingdom, that kingdom above, one must be born from above. One must receive the Spirit from above. That's accomplished through the Spirit. So you see the logic there. Birth in the Spirit is receiving that new eternal life by the Spirit breathing eternal life into you, restoring and recreating God's people. And so instead of just earthly life, instead of just earthly understanding, birth in the Spirit gives eternal life and a heavenly guidance, a heavenly understanding, a a bit of heaven breathed into us, into our ability to understand, into our fellowship with God. And that's why Jesus then, he compares birth in the Spirit to the wind. And that, you know, people might be thinking, oh, birth in the Spirit, you know, I'm more of a concrete kind of person. You know, what can you see? What are the, what's some evidence? And he, and he points to the, the, the wind as an example, that the wind, you don't see the wind. You see the effects of the wind, but you don't see the wind itself. So too, those who are born in the Spirit, right? You, that you might not see the Spirit, that new life, that eternal life, but you see the effects, that they're able to, uh, that they're transformed from the inside out, that they do have a new life. They have a restoration in many parts about them, even if with your physicalizing by appearance, it doesn't seem that way. It's like the wind, and there's a mystery to it in that you can't control the wind. Well, you can't control the Spirit because the Spirit is God. He's the one who does the controlling. He's the one who does the, re, the, the rebirth and re- restoration. But Nicodemus' inability to receive Jesus, to receive those spiritual truths, shows that Nicodemus is not where he needs to be, even though he is a ruler, a teacher, a religious ruler and teacher, but Jesus is clear, no, you still need that restoration. You still need that rebirth. No matter what, no, no amount of education, no amount of anything, it can substitute for the Spirit breathing new life and recreating you from the inside out. And that's where Nicodemus, he's a little bit, so he's, he says, how can these things be? And Jesus answers him, as verse 9, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear testimony to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man uh, be lifted up, must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So we read that verse like, ah, okay, I'm done. I can move on. I know that verse. But again, look what's happening. Nicodemus, he's not understanding. He says, how can these things be? Nicodemus, he's a teacher of Israel. He should understand the expectation 
from the Hebrew Scriptures, the ones we just reviewed. That's why I made sure we understand it, understood, excuse me, that, that the Spirit, right? The Old Testament said the Spirit's bringing restoration. The Spirit's bringing new life, is, is recreating. That's the hope. And so Nicodemus, he should understand these things, but he doesn't. And so Nicodemus, he may acknowledge Jesus as a good teacher. He may even acknowledge Jesus as a worker of miracles, but he doesn't believe that Jesus is the one, the Son of Man, who has come down from heaven. He is the key that unlocks this restoration. He's the key that unlocks our hearts so that the Holy Spirit comes and brings new life. He doesn't believe it to that point. He needs to be reborn. He needs to receive the Spirit. So what's Nicodemus to do? Well, this is where Jesus and the gospel writer pivot to the response, right? to the response required from Nicodemus, from all those, and that's belief. Right? That's whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. Jesus is from above, and through him, one can be born from the Spirit above. And this giving of Jesus on the cross that would be the manner that, yes, God would show his love, but it would be the manner that God would save people for his kingdom. And that's where that famous verse comes in. God loved the world in this way, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That eternal life, that restoration, all that we've been looking forward to, all that heaven coming to earth can be born and breathed into our lives now. It's not just for way then, it's for any who believe in Christ. So through belief, Nicodemus and all the world can be spiritually reborn into God's kingdom, a kingdom of, of forgiveness, of, of restoration and peace forever. It's the kind of kingdom and restoration that we read about the Spirit bringing in the Old Testament. So yes, John 3.16, it rightly captures our attention. It's a summary of the Christian faith, and it's also an invitation to us. And that's why it should be popular, and we should memorize it, and it's great. But don't miss out on the eternal life and how the Spirit, Jesus himself, intertwines eternal life with the Spirit here. One cannot see the kingdom of God. One cannot enter the kingdom of God unless the Spirit moves. But just such a movement is what Jesus is bringing he is opening the doors to God's eternal kingdom, to eternal life, so that the Spirit can rush in and breathe restoration, breathe new life into any who put their faith in Christ. And eternal life is not just a heaven thing. It is a thing where the Spirit of God, who brings heavenly life, he brings it to earth. He brings rebirth, eternal life, into our lives now. It's heavenly things, things from above being born into your life, heavenly things, godly things being breathed into your life now, and then those things bring you and carry you and continue for all of eternity. Amazing. Just like the prophet Joel talked about just like the prophet Isaiah and Ezekiel, many others I didn't mention today. So the question I have for you, friends, here and, and those online is, 
Do you want the eternal? Do you want that restoration, that new life? Do you want the Spirit of God to breathe heaven into you? Because that begins now. That begins the moment you put your faith in Jesus. But that life and that rest, it goes into eternity. In this series, as we've been unpacking the person and work of the Holy Spirit, yes, I focused on the sort of eternal life and, and how the Spirit works to bring us into the heavenly realities, but there's so many things we talked about, how the Holy Spirit works in our lives, the gifts, the fruit, all of that, and, and I hope that throughout this series you've been thinking, yes, I want more of that. I want the Spirit to dwell in me. I want more of the Spirit in my life. I want this, the, God to breathe his heavenly realities into my life. Well, then John 3.16 tells us what to do. Believe. Jesus is the one who pours out the Spirit. And if you're here and you have not been reborn or you're not even sure, like, I don't know if I've been reborn or not. I've got to set a prayer, whatever. I don't care about what the past is. I care about what the future is. And the future is eternal life with God. And so as best as you know how, say, Lord Jesus, I trust in you. I trust in your work, not my work. I'm not looking at what I've done in the past for good or bad. I'm looking at your work. I'm looking how you died on the cross to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And Lord, I'm receiving the gift of your Holy Spirit based on your promises. Not on what I deserve, but based on your promise that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God, I want that eternal life in me now. And as best as you know how, you cry out to God and trust in his promise and he will fill you with that Holy Spirit. And many of you, many of you have done that. But you know, when a baby is born, that's the beginning, right? I mean, you're not like, oh, good, the baby's born, I'm done. No, no, that's the beginning of this wonderful life. This life where the baby grows and starts to do things and, and all of this. So too, if you've been reborn, live in that eternal life. And so again, I, I go back to some pictures. Maybe you've come here today and you, again, you, you're, you feel like, no, my marriage is just, it, it's on blocks. It is, it's not running anymore. Or maybe your whole life. Or maybe your career Jesus brought, came to bring that restoration. The Holy Spirit can restore this and turn it into what it was always meant to be. And here's the thing, is that as the Spirit is restoring our hearts, our marriages, our finances, whatever he's restoring and giving us eternal life, when we're restored, we're not meant to be kept in the garage. One of the things I love about summer in, the in, in New England is you see all these restored cars driving around. Because, yeah, you don't drive them in the winter. Um, each one of us. Maybe think about, some of us it'll be harder than us, but think about the year that you were born. Think about the car, a car that was made that year. So this is a 70 uh, Charger, but maybe you need to think a little bit back further. Or, um. LAUGHTER and think about that car being fully restored. 
Again, that's just a picture of the promises God has for you. But it's not for you to be restored and be put in the garage. It's for you to get on the road, to get on the road and enjoy that new life, enjoy that new purpose, that restoration, and speak praises to the one who has restored you. And that restoration, it's not just for a few years. It will go into eternity. That's the work of the Spirit. That's the promise for us in the Spirit. Let's pray. Dear God, we, uh, you see into our hearts, God. You know as, as we are before you, Holy Spirit, you see and know what restoration we need. So, Lord, I pray that as we sing this last song, you would be uh, working in people's hearts. You would be bringing your restoration to these different areas. But, Lord, I pray that we mostly would be focused on your gift through Jesus Christ. We would be believing in you. We'd be believing in what you did on the cross. We'd be believing in the promise of your spirit. And we would walk in it. We would walk in the restoration that you've already done as we go towards that not yet time that will one day be fully and finally established on earth. Do that among us, Lord. Do that in us now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.